We have a real special treat in our first speaker this morning. Lon is from Georgia. Uh, his wife is a doctor. And he's, he was sharing with me this morning, he said, most of the groups I'm in are all women. And I said, but you know that men add a special touch to Al-Anon. And uh, I think Lon, he, when I called him up, he was so cute. I had heard so many wonderful things about Lon. He hasn't been in the program a real long time, but I think he's got a lot to share with us. Uh, he said, oh, me, when I called him. And then he said, but you know, Nana, I found out that when God puts something in your path, then you're supposed to do it. And he says, I will come and share. This is his first IDAA meeting. But we really look forward to hearing you, Lon, and I'm going to turn it over to you now. Good morning. I'm Lon. I'm an Al-Anon from Griffin, Georgia. When you hear something like that, Nan, and I think all of us could say that uh, we've done what you just said, and I didn't know the flu was such a universal disease. <laughs> we've had the flu many times. You know, since it's my time to share, I thought I'd just make it easy on everyone, and we'd just have another call-up meeting like we had last night. <laughs> I thought it might start off and be okay. Wasn't that wonderful to uh, be in there where they share and where we share and uh, people are honest and they can say their feelings and uh, it was great for me. It was a great start. I've been in Al-Anon for about two years and when Nina called me, it certainly made me increase my attendance at meetings, I can tell you. (laughs) She said, I need to tell you how it was, what brought me to here and then kind of how it is now. And can you hear me in the back? Am I close enough? Some to know. All right. I don't know how. <laughs> Close up. That's all right. Speak a little. Now, is everything all right? Good. As I said, she needed. She said I needed to tell you how it was, what brought me to the program, and how it is now. To do this, I need to say that. Uh, I was in Al-Anon long before I married my present wife. I didn't know it. I knew I was doing some things, but I didn't know why, and I didn't know what, and I didn't have a lot of the reasoning behind it. It was just kind of a pattern, a way of life that I had. But this marriage helped me find Al-Anon and the great support system that it represents. First, let me tell you a little something about me and how it was and where I came from. Then we'll get into the feelings part and some things we'll share then later. I was born in Crawford, Alabama. It's a little community of about 50 people. I lived there for a short time and I moved to Phoenix City, Alabama, and most all of you have heard of that. That was one of the sin cities of the United States many years ago, and then it changed and turned into an all-American city, and now they have a great future, and they're doing a good job in that community. I lived there and attended local schools and then commuted to Auburn University and worked my way through school there. I was an only child, and I wonder if there's any connection with being an only child and being an Al-Anon. I, I'm not sure of that. I haven't found anything in reading, but, uh, you know, they always uh, pick on the only children anyway, and they'll say cute things about you that I used to be very defensive about. But maybe there's something to being an only child, Al-Anon. Maybe that kind of 
predisposes us to that. Dr. Mooney, you may can tell us about that later on in your talk. But anyway, I was born to very modest but super loving parents. They both worked hard to eke out a living. And I worked with my father as soon as I was old enough. I graduated from Auburn and I worked at a couple of jobs uh, there in the Phoenix City, Alabama, Columbus, Georgia area. And then I finally found what I wanted to do with my life professionally. I went to work in a bank at the very lowest level. Uh, you know, there I was a college graduate, and I said, oh, you know, you had the market cornered on smart, you know, at that age. And then, <laughs> and then uh, they put me to work putting up mail. And, boy, I said, Lord, this is, hmm. Talking about doing something to your self-esteem. But anyway, went to work there, and then the bank was in Columbus, and then I later moved to Griffin, Georgia, and I continue the banking field today. I found my calling, and I've been at that professionally for about 30 years. But that was my professional calling. It's just been in the last couple of years that I found what I consider a deeper calling, and that is a calling in Al-Anon, and then a calling to the support system that has helped me in my work, but mostly it's helped me in my life, and it helps me with the hundred or so people that I work with and have an opportunity to share with them as they share with me. And it has been a tremendous change in something that I value dearly. I married my local sweetheart in Phoenix City, Alabama, and we were married for about 20 years. We had a son and daughter that were born to us in the first three years of our marriage. And for you that have uh, had your children early on, you know, you just kind of grow up with them. And the four of us kind of just grew up together. And uh, it was a great experience. They now live in Georgia, and they have families of their own. This marriage ended in the death of my wife. I'll go into some details of that later as I talk about feelings. I was widowed for about two years, and I married again, and I was with this lady for about six and a half years. And you'll see a pattern start developing now as I tell you some things. This marriage ended in divorce. I was divorced for about four years before marrying my present wife. We dated for approximately two years, and we've been married for about a year. She is active in AA and was the first person to tell me about Al-Anon. Now, all of this so far has told you a little something about me, but nothing about my makeup, my feelings, and so forth. And, you know, I mentioned that I've been an Al-Anon for a long time, and I didn't understand it, so please stay with that train. I've always made arrangements. I've always made appointments. I've always tried to control. I've always called the plumber. I've always called the electrician. I've always paid the bills. I've always looked after things. And I've always tried to live an organized life. Now, if you tell me that doesn't just track you, and it does. <laughs> it just tracks every one of us, and y'all know it does. <laughs> In my first marriage, my wife had a serious illness and uh, I wish I had known about Alanon at that time and I was quite innocent to it she had major surgery was quite ill during the last years of her life in our marriage we visited a very wise psychiatrist at the last part of that and he told me something that I had never even thought about he said more than likely she transferred from her father to you now think about that. If you take that as a compliment, how do you handle that? 
said, well, the father had taken care of her life all to that time and had done for her. And said, more than likely, she transferred to you. You know, as I look back on it, with 2020 hindsight, it's always so very clear. I think he might have been right. In the last years of her life, and I was very guarded about how to make this comment, but I need to say this uh, in due respect to the fact that I'm at a doctor's meeting, uh, but it's on my heart, and y'all are teaching me to be honest, and I need to say it. In the last year of her life, the men and women in white coats gave her Valium, Thorazine, Quaaludes, Elevil, Sinequan, and so many things that were prescription drugs that you just could not imagine. These were the men and women in white coats that didn't have the benefit of IDAA, that didn't know about the disease of alcoholism. At that time, this was quite a few years ago, it might, you know, Jelinek was talking about a disease and things like that, but a lot of the doctors uh, were just, they didn't have the feel of the disease concept of the illness that we face today. And I had little knowledge myself, none, basically, of drugs or addiction, and I was not aware of the problem that had been creeping into her life. She had had an inner ear disease, and we'd been to uh, Los Angeles and was been to Emory for a long time and been to Los Angeles and operated on for uh, this uh, problem and uh, it failed, the operation failed and then she had an emotional problem and then uh, later died. And you need to know that, you know, the psychiatrist sometimes will tell you and a lot of laymen will tell you and a lot of other people will say that uh, the ones that talk about taking their own life, they won't do that. So they're just talking about it so you don't have to worry about that. Well, she did, and it's rough all around, and they will. She'd been in Peachtree Parkwood for a short time, and then she was at Emory Hospital. After her death, a very wise friend of mine, he was not a psychiatrist, he was a urologist, reminded me a lot about a friend from Minnesota that spoke last night about hitting the button and turning the crank and doing some things like that. I, I liked that. It's very simple. But anyway, a very wise urologist that was a very close friend of mine said, you need to go back and see the psychiatrist at uh, Peachtree Parkwood and take the two kids. And I did. And thank God for that because we had some aftercare that helped us uh, through some tough times. He was great. But you know, even at that time, he didn't mention that I'd been a caretaker, that I'd been an enabler, that I'd been a nurturer. He didn't uh, touch on any of that. Maybe he thought I wasn't ready for it. Maybe uh, we were not ready for it at that time. Maybe we didn't know a lot of these things. During that time, my daughter uh, later decided to go to Auburn, and she was in about her second year down there, and was just giving me fits. I was really having a hard time with it. And I went and talked to him one more time, and he told me exactly what to do, and I did it. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I did what he said because I thought he was all smart, and it was the right thing to do. My family, uh, my mother grandmothers and all that and brothers that were involved with her her brother and other people in the family aunts and uncles thought I was the toughest roughest meanest thing in the world to do this to my daughter and I did it and it worked and now my daughter and I are so close it's not even funny and we have a tremendous relationship and let me tell you what I did and I didn't know what I was doing but it worked then and it works today 
I detached. And that's what we talk about in Al-Anon, is detachment, and how we detach, and how we save ourselves, and how it's good for them. And this was a long, long time ago. And he didn't use the word detachment. But it worked then, and it works now. And it now as I look back on it, I see, you know, I had all those traits again of Ben and al I was a widower for about two years and then married another lady that needed a good old caretaker and a good old nurturer. You know, it's just something about the caretakers and the nurturers. They find them, boy, they find them, I'll tell you now. And uh, I did. My pattern was just, it just tracks tremendously. Early in this marriage, I found out this lady cared very little for me. But being a good Al-Anon and being a good fixer, I tried for six and a half years to make this work. I wouldn't do that again with a gun on me. You know what I'm saying right now? But think about it. Now, try, that's just how we are. We're just hard-headed as we can be as Al-Anons. Going to make that thing go. And for six and a half years, I did everything but... Well, I cooked some. You know, I did everything you could, you know. <laughs> did everything you could to make it work because it just had to work, you know. It had to be right. Now, tell me y'all hadn't had some of those feelings. You know you have. You know you have. And I didn't know what was going on then. I still haven't identified that. Isn't that foolish? It's been six and a half years of your life trying to make something work that you knew wasn't going to work when somebody had already let you know some secrets. You know, after losing quite a bit of my self-esteem, I filed for divorce and the divorce was granted in short order. By the way, the entire time I knew this lady, I never saw her have too much to drink but twice, and I followed this pattern again. She later moved to another city and developed a serious problem with alcohol and drugs. She attempted to take her life while on liquor and drugs. She wound up in the detox unit of the hospital there in another city, and she received treatment for a disease for about two weeks. And y'all know what two weeks that just kind of maybe gets you half there if you're lucky, and then you got a lot more to do after that. And I don't know why. But she called and said, You know, you're the best friend I've ever had, and been a good island. I was sucked in, you know. I just had to respond, you know, and so I need some help. So I went up. And see, by that time, I was aware of AA, and I was aware of Alanon and NA, and all the other stuff. So I acted like a real good Alanon. And I gave her a list of the AA meetings in Atlanta. The NA meetings in Atlanta, and I took several books. If y'all ever get anybody in books, it's, you know, you're nest- that's just what we do. You know, we just got a book on everything. You know, we got a book, you know. Well, I took some books. That was going to answer everything, you know. Well, y'all know about how that is with somebody two weeks in treatment, you know. But anyway, I gave her a lot of encouragement. I tried to do what I could to help her. I understand she continued drinking and married a fellow traveler with a serious drinking problem, too. That's sad. So see again, all the traits of Al-Anon exist. I believe we, I don't know whether we're born in Al-Anon or not, but we're sure in Al-Anon for a long time. You're nodding your head. I think you understand. There's something to this. Genetic, uh, I listened to Tom Heyman talk at Jelinek out in Acapulco, Joyce, and uh, he went down the genetic tree, and I know there's one for us. There's just got to be, you know. I met my present wife about three years ago. And my introduction to feelings, depth, AA, and Al-Anon began at that time. She's an interesting person, a very interesting person. Bright, charming. We've grown together in these programs. This relationship also introduced me to something else. It introduced me to blackouts. I didn't even know the word. I, you know, 
I really thought a blackout was when you cut the lights out of the city lost the power. You know, like when New York lost the power and all the babies were born, you know, so many years ago, some of you. Some, I thought that's what a blackout was. I didn't have the foggiest idea what a, what a blackout was. I found out, though, I was introduced to dry drunks, and I didn't know what that was. And now I have a little folder that said something about dry drunks revisited. I was interested. To, I was introduced to anger, resentment, severe anxiety, and to the insanity of this disease, and many of the other traits of this disease of alcoholism and of our disease that we have. I've been exposed to ACOA, and I've been to the seminars down at uh, St. Simon's with Conway. And believe it or not, Dr. Mooney, I've been exposed to women in recovery. I've attended those meetings, and they are great. They really do a good job, and they have them in Joyce's area there at St. Simon's, and it's a tremendous meeting, 350 or 400 women. And, it's, uh, and they let the men go at night, the open meetings. And it's, uh, you know, they do let us tiptoe in, and, you know, we're so curious. We have to go anyway to see what's going on. So, anyway, uh, they're good. They're great. Been introduced to Emmett Fox. Some of you all know about Emmett Fox. That's one of the things that we get into in my early stages of recovery, I think. Been introduced to Jelinek. I'd never heard that word. Went to Acapulco and heard Conway Hunt and a lot of folks talk about Jelinek, Dr. Jelinek and the first man that uh, talked about the disease concept of alcoholism. IDAA, which we hear today. Now, many of you heard tapes from Father Leo, Father Martin, Hazeldine books, Hazeldine tapes. We've, I've done them all. I've done a lot of them. But you know, the dry drunks and the blackouts and all of pure hell for them. But they're not so nice for us either. And we know that. We'd been dating for about uh, a year. She hit a bottom and went to AA on own. And she didn't go to treatment. And uh, in my mind, it, that's been a rough road. And it's tough. And it's much more difficult to do than to go to treatment. And it's, it's been rugged. But she has made it, and uh, she's uh, over two years now. Uh, had her second birthday June 14th. You know, I heard the man speak last night, and he said that uh, when he first came into the program, he was in a dry drunk for three and a half years. I'd just like to go see his Alanon and hug her. Because I tell you, she deserves a medal for combat service, I think. It is tough. You know, it's tough. And uh, y'all know that. Anyway, my partner told me about Al-Anon, and a few of us started a noon meeting in the little community of Griffin, Georgia. We have a good group of ladies attending, but few, if any, men. Actually, there's one other man, and his daughter uh, is his reason for being in the program. I visited in Atlanta and some other cities, and I've yet to find a meeting where there's another male that has a spouse that he's either practicing or recovering in the AA program. Thank God for the ladies, though. And let me tell you, they've helped me tremendously. The ladies have been good to me. They have shared with me. They have accepted me. And thank God for the ladies of Al-Anon and for what they mean because they're the ones that hold this thing together and we just kind of, for some reason, men just kind of stand back and have a hard time with it. Uh, I think I know some of the reasons, but thank God for you that are here today. And for the ones that handle the meetings and uh, where you don't have but two or three in a group, or eight or ten, that's what it's all about. And I appreciate you.
Now, this tells you a little of how it was and what brought me to Adonai. Now, I need to tell you how it is now and something of my feelings. You know, I believe my little blue book of One Day at a Time and Adonai, the daily readings, the steps, the traditions. And by the way, my mother-in-law gave me that and she knew before I did. It tells me quite a bit about myself. Daily, I have to see myself as I really am. And that's not always very pretty. I've been an enabler, a fixer, a nurturer, a caretaker, and all the other things that we are. I'm working on these parts of my life, and I'm trying, and I'm struggling with them. I also have a very strong control system. I work now as president of the bank, and I've been president of the bank for almost 23 years. And in that, what do you do? You get into the ego thing, you get into the responsibility thing, you get into taking, making decisions and controlling things. And when you're doing all that, it's very difficult not to control everything. And it's, uh, it's a real adjustment. But, you know, I know I've made progress with this strong control system. I know that I've tried to level it out in other phases of my life. It's not perfect by any means. But, you know, what we call for is progress, not perfection. And I can accept that. And I know I've made progress. Our Elnon meetings have been mostly good for me. They've helped me through some rough times. At first, I heard a lot of drunkologues, and they turned me off, and, and I had a lot of trouble accepting the drunkologues. Uh, I wanted to talk about some feelings and some deeper things, but, uh, you know, I was not the only one there, and some people just had to talk and get some things off their mind. And then later, you know what? I had to talk and get some things off my mind, and they listened to me, and thank God for that. I was having a particularly rough time, and I went off to another city to an Alnon meeting. And one of the senior old pros there brought me right back to home base, and it reminded me of what the lady said last night. You know, she said, I've worked the 12 steps. And she said, now I'm back to the first step again. And this old pro looked over at me, and she said, you're having a rough time, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. She said, go back to the first step. It always seems to work. It worked then for me. I think it'll work for you. You find out for yourself. This kind of brought me back to home base. But you know, like most of us in Al-Anon, I have to learn, relearn, learn again, and all these things over and over again, such as letting go. How many of us have trouble with letting go? It just is something that's impossible for me to do, it seems like. I tried to read everything I could get my hands on. I tried to listen to all the tapes. But letting go is still a problem, and it's a problem every day. Controlling is still a problem, and it's a problem every day. Resentment still are problems, and it's something you work with. And this morning, I tried to get into the third step again before this meeting and just kind of say, you know, it's yours. I'm going to have to leave all this with you. And I listened to what the man said last night. If he can start his day with a third step, things generally work out pretty well. I find that's true in my life, and it worked this morning with me. But then, you know, after reading and studying all that stuff, I go to page 202 in our little book. And page 202 in our little book says something like, uh, you need to work on you and don't be reading and studying all this stuff about disease of alcoholism. Just kind of look at you, horse. You know. And that brought me back to home base again. And I did. I had been attending AA and all these other seminars and stuff like this. But then, you know what I learned? i got to work on me. And that's it. That's the key to this whole thing is working on me. I still have deep resentments that I have to work through. I know I can't afford these. But Al-Anon's helping me. I'm still struggling, as I told Nana this morning. But I am better. 
And that's the hope of it. And Al-Anon gets the credit for that. And I how power first. My God, as I choose to call it. I'm working on my steps. I hadn't finished them. I'm trying to learn and grow in Al-Anon. It does get better. I had something that I'd run across that I wanted to leave with us that's meant a lot to me. It means a lot to others, I think, and it might mean something to you. Listen attentively as I read something here in closing and uh, see if it might apply to you. See if it might be something you appreciate as we share together. Most of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain but there in the sandbox at nursery school. These are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. (laughs) Had to be in there. Warm cookies and milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw every afternoon. When you go out in the world, watch for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the plastic cup. You know, the roots go down, the plant comes up, and nobody really knows how or why. But we all like that, you know. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the plastic cup, they all die, and so do we. Then remember the book about Dick and Jane and the first word you learned, the biggest word of all, look. Everything you need to know is there somewhere. The golden rule and the love and the basic sanitation, ecology, politics, and an I feel sane living. Think of what a better world, a better world it would be. The whole world. If we had cookies and milk about three o'clock, Every afternoon, wouldn't it be nice? And then we lay down on our blanket blankets for a nap. I like that. I like my nap too. Or if we had a basic policy in our nation and other nations to always put things back where we found them, and we cleaned up our own messes. And it's still true. No matter how old you are, when you go out into the world. It's best to hold hands and stick together. And that's what we do best in Al-Anon. Thank you. Wow. 